Welcome to My HR Podcast. Let's talk about the legal side of HR. Here's your host, Kevin Mosier, presented by Thompson Co. and My HR Genius. Welcome, everyone, to the My HR Podcast. This is Kevin Mosier. I'm an attorney at Thompson Co. Law Firm. I'm an MSBA certified labor and employment specialist, labor law specialist. Today, we have a guest, Kim Kaufman from Thompson Co., from our Austin office. And I wanted to talk to Kim because we are just getting calls and emails about the coronavirus. And I know it goes by a, you know, a fancy medical name, but, but I wanted to talk to Kim about corona and what she's seen and, you know, how, you know, what we're talking to employers about around the country with regard to addressing corona. Kim, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. I can't complain, but you know, I don't have coronavirus, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> Minnesota has not has not had an outbreak yet. It is, yeah, same here. Yeah, early March. So, you know, who knows if people are listening to this by by, you know, later March or April, it could be could be a big, uh, big deal. But uh, so far, just a just a couple states. Yeah, have it. But it's been enough that I'm starting to get calls. And, and I know you probably are too. So I wanted to talk i'll just tell you my opinion then you know you can share yours but to me when i think about this issue with the coronavirus it's really there's nothing special per se about it from a legal perspective so uh, obviously there's you know it's fatal uh for certain for some people and disruptive and you know there's like some very serious economic ramifications and obviously mortality with it but from a legal standpoint, to me, it's really not all that different than the flu or a common cold or cancer or, you know, anything that takes somebody off of work. Is that how you're kind of looking at it, at it too? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with it. And, you know, from my understanding is there's, like with the flu, there's a range of how severe it is and it can be from no symptoms to mild to severe. So, you know, employers just need to treat each case on on its own. And just because someone has coronavirus uh, doesn't mean that they should treat that employee the same as another employee that has coronavirus. They might have differing degrees of severity, which, you know, would affect how they treat that and whether it could qualify as a serious health condition under the FMLA. But, you know, before getting into that, I know employers are concerned with providing a safe working environment and that's, you know, what I think we should advise people to do is is to just step back and say, what do we need to do to provide a safe working environment? If we have this hazard, you know, what's our obligation to do? And, you know, I don't know if you've had anyone ask you about whether or not you can tell people to stay home and, and what your advice might be if an employer has that question. It started to come up for me now, and and I remember several years back when when SARS hit, it was a big deal, and and that was the big question. You know, can employers can they send people home, or can they prohibit them from coming in to work? And and the answer is, I mean, yes. So like you were saying, I mean, we have 
we have an obligation to provide a safe working environment. OSHA requires it of all employers that you provide a safe working environment. So, right. and that's not and that's not just to the employee, right? But that's also to coworkers. And so, if you know that somebody is going to be a safety risk to themselves or others, you actually have an affirmative obligation under under federal law and probably state laws too. But at least under federal law, you have an affirmative obligation to not bring that hazard into the workplace. Mm-hmm. And yep. so certainly if you know that somebody's got um, a spreadable disease, coronavirus or, or whatever it is, but something spreadable that could harm people, you'd be a diligent employer to tell them to stay, to stay home. Can you imagine some situations where that might not be a good idea or how have you, you know, looked at that? I would say to make sure that if what you're deciding to do is in accordance with your policies, especially whether or not if you're going to tell employees to stay home, you know, another big question employers will have is whether or not that leave needs to be paid. So when making that decision, make sure whatever decision you make is in accordance with any policy that you have on mandatory leave and whether or not that should be paid. If you no, I, yes, we were talking about this before before we got on the podcast. One of the trends that we're seeing, and this isn't brand new, but it's new in the last like seven, eight years, is the prevalence of sick and safe time and these paid time off laws. And I know in Texas, you've got San Antonio and Austin, although they're they're currently enjoined right now and not implemented, but you also have Dallas. And then around the country, we've got so many states, you know, in cities like, you know, Chicago and we've got New York State and California and Massachusetts and so many states, Minneapolis, St. Paul cities as well, that have implemented these sick and safe time. These ordinances, these laws are all very similar, but they're not absolutely uniform. And so we would want to definitely know, like if you have employees in uh, Chicago, if you have employees in Minneapolis, if you have employees in Massachusetts and New York and California, you would want to look at those specific states to say, hey, if I keep somebody home or if I, or if the employee is just home and they're sick with coronavirus or anything else, in this type of situation, is it specifically covered? I'll give you an example. In the Minneapolis-St. Paul, under their sick safe time rules, if there's a public safety issue and and it shuts down the business, that triggers the employer an opportunity for the employee to use their paid time, their paid sick and safe time. You know, they don't get to use it to go fishing, but right. they might be able to use it. They'll certainly be able to use it if they're sick with coronavirus or the flu or whatever. And then if there's some sort of you know, shutdown as well, there would be another opportunity if there's like a public safety shutdown for them to use it. So like you were saying, employers, first thing they need to do is worry about safety. Second thing they need to do, the HR people, because this is what HR people do best, is look at the paid time off laws that they have personally. So what is their, what are their paid time off uh, policies? What are the laws that they have to worry about? And in those places where there are no laws, you know, what's the policy? Certainly employers can make exceptions because, you know, if they have no policy on this, though, everybody should really have a policy on like how they address time off work, whether it's paid or unpaid. Right. And when employers do give directives for staff to stay home, they should make sure that they're applying a directive, you know, equally across employees of of all different types of protected classes um, to make sure to avoid any any claims of discriminatory treatment. Right, 
Right. Yeah. You don't want to send all Spaniards home because of the Spanish flu or whatever. You know, right, whatever. right. <laughs> you know, the, uh, we definitely don't want to, you know, pick on people. And in this situation, you know, the coronavirus seems to have originated in China. Obviously, you don't want to single out all of your Chinese employees or Asian employees. Now, could you say, hey, any employee who has traveled to Asia or a place where there's been an outbreak, you know, anybody who's traveled to Italy, anybody who's traveled to Asia, we don't want you until you've gone and had a, a medical clearance? Yeah, you could, I mean, yeah, you could do that. Yes. You could even, you know, require that employees get vaccinated. Yes. Uh, when you start doing the testing, that's a, a whole, you know, ball of wax that might be, that's a little bit more complicated, but you can definitely, I mean, we don't want to discriminate based on national origin and citizenship and race and all these sorts of things, but you can definitely, you know, look at the circumstances and say, hey, anybody who's traveled to Italy, anybody who's traveled to China, anybody who's traveled to South Korea, we don't want you back in the office unless you've gone through some sort of quarantine period and or also had received medical clearance. Right. Agree. And, you know, you, you brought up the point of telling employees to get vaccinated. And I would just add for that to make sure that you consider exceptions to that rule, such as if an employee had a religious objection or a disability or condition that made receiving shots or vaccines dangerous. But of course, I would agree with the general sentiment that you can tell employees to get vaccinated. But again, just make sure that you always consider those exceptions as well that might come up. Yeah, it, that's a good point. Thank you. What do, what do you think about FMLA? So the employee <laughs> gets sick, you know, maybe they have corona, maybe they don't, but they're you're either telling them to stay home or they are telling you that they don't want to come into work because they've got some sort of upper respiratory thing going going on. What do you think about FMLA? Sure. So, you know, the, the buzzword in FMLA is whether or not the condition is a serious health condition. And the FMLA, you know, sets out what qualifies as a serious health condition. So as we were discussing earlier, giving the example of coronavirus, there's been you know, quite a variety of symptoms from no symptoms to mild to more severe. So employers are really going to want to look at coronavirus or any other condition that might come up in an employee on a case-by-case -case basis and see if it meets that serious health condition standard. And then if so, proceed under FMLA, FMLA leave. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's whether it's corona or a cold or cancer, I just don't you know, it's the same framework, right? Mm -hmm, um, right. I mean, it's more than three days of absence, being seen by a doctor within the first seven days, you know, that's that's it. Is the illness requiring that? Are you seeing, are you on a regimen of care for that illness? Yes, yes, yes. Then it, you know, and assuming the person that you're an eligible employer or a covered employer and that it's an eligible employee, it just seems you know, like, yes, this would be an opportunity to put somebody on, uh, you know, send them the medical certification, give them the 15 days to get that back to see if it's covered. What about ADA? I, I mean, what are your initial thoughts on, a on ADA? You know, a little different than FMLA, obviously. Right. So under the ADA, it, the coronavirus probably does not qualify as a disability. You know, I know we're in the early stages of the coronavirus, we're still learning a lot about the condition, but it doesn't seem to be right now long lasting enough to qualify as a disability under the ADA because 
for it to be a disability, it needs to be long lasting and not a temporary impairment. So at this point with what we know about coronavirus, there's probably not too much to consider under the ADA. Now, if an employee had an underlying condition that was exacerbated by coronavirus, you know, leading to a lasting impairment, the ADA might come into play, but in your typical coronavirus situations where an employee doesn't have those underlying conditions, again, it probably won't count as a disability based on what we know right now. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll we'll see what happens, but just it seems like the virus has a course that it runs. Right. And it, and it doesn't seem, at least so far, that it lasts long enough to cause, a, like you say, an impairment for the employee, for the person. Who knows? Maybe they could have some side effects from it that are long lasting, you know, but I guess we'll, we'll see. But I'm, I'm with you. At this point, I think the big issues are, you know, for employers, you know, the takeaway issues are just remembering their obligations under, under OSHA to, to create a safe working environment for everybody, understanding that FMLA might come into play depending on the length of the absence and assuming that there's, you know, a regimen of, of care being given to the employee. And then looking at your sick time policies, your PTO policies, and just being prepared. And and then also, I think, you know, this is a little bit outside the the HR realm, but just court, you're making sure that uh, from an operations standpoint, that HR is, is involved with operations and understanding, you know, I mean, obviously HR is, is critical for providing workers so that stuff gets done on the operational and administrative level. And I, I think just you know, it'd be really good for, for any managers, ops people listening here to just make sure that you're involving HR because we love HR people and they they, <laughs> they need to be involved in these important decisions. Um, right, right. I so, would agree. And also just to, in addition to considering and looking at your sick time policies, also make sure to consider any local or state laws that require or have requirements for paid sick time. Right, right, exactly. Yes, thank you, thank you, Kim. This is great. I uh, I really appreciate you coming into the yeah, podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thanks to thanks to you listeners for joining us for this podcast. For more information on the My HR Genius uh, HR uh, subscription legal program, you can go to visit myhrgenius.co co, or you can call Thompson Co directly at six five one three eight nine five zero zero zero. For more HR tips and advice, subscribe to the MyHR podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon. And thanks again, Kim. Thank you. For more information on Thompson Co. and the My HR Genius program, please visit myhrgenius.co.